This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. How are you doing today? My name is Mike Zuber, and I'm the author of One Rental at a Time. If you read the book, got the book, thank you very much. If you haven't, let me just tell you, I've been investing in real estate for 20 years. I started building my portfolio with single-family homes before the last crash. I saw high prices really being unaffordable. So what we did and what we talk about in the book is we sold or exchanged our houses and bought apartments. So unlike a lot of these real estate channels preaching crash, talking about another crash and all of these things, I invested before the last crash. I knew dozens of people who lost homes, several people that were worth seven figures and are not. And, oh, by the way, as we talk about in the book, we did okay in the crash. Not only did we survive by selling houses and buying apartments, but we also bought a lot of distressed assets. So what I'm going to do in this video is I'm going to give you 10 reasons why all of these new real estate experts are wrong. I have been reacting or trying to share with you what is going on in real estate since last year when this crash concept came up and it's now impossible to do. I can't believe they're still creating crash content after being wrong. They're now even producing crash content without giving numbers. If you're going to call a crash, step up. Say 10%, say 20, say 40. They're just wrong. So what I wanted to do is go through 10 reasons. So the next crash video comes out. You can tell me which one of these 10 things that producer got wrong. I certainly think we have some bubble markets. I certainly think we have some froth in real estate, but it's mainly multifamily. But let's go through the list. The number one reason all of these preachers of crash are wrong is they are simply looking at price. They are pulling up these charts and they go, oh, look, a peak in 08, a trough in 2011. Oh, look. We're back at the same price. Folks, I hate to tell you this. Anybody who tells you we're going to have a crash because we're at last time's peak is an idiot. I, There's no other word for it. They're just wrong. Real estate is not an asset, generally speaking, that the most of us pay cash for. Most of us go to a mortgage broker or a bank And we give them our credit, we give them our down payment, and we figure out what our payment is. People buy real estate on payment. And oh, by the way, yes, we may be at the same price today as before, but the payments are lower. Housing in most markets 
today is much, much, much more affordable than the last peak. So number one reason these idiots are wrong is they are talking about price and it's not about price. It's about payment, payment, payment. Payments are lower today. Number two, some channels are trying to get cute and now they're trying to say, hey, price appreciation is greater than wage inflation. That's cute. That's at least a new twist. But again, it's not about price and it's not about wage. What I talk about in my book, I still believe to today, the metric to watch is the affordability index. The affordability index is the indicator for your market that when the average consumer in your market cannot afford the average home. And like point one, the affordability index is made up of three variables. Wages is important. Price is important. But the third one is interest rates. And like point one, interest rates are lower today. So even if price appreciation is higher, wage inflation is lower. If interest rates are going down, it's more affordable. Just like point one, point two, real estate in most cities is cheaper today than 2008. These folks don't know what they're talking about. And again, remember, I've been in the market 20 years. I buy real estate all the time. I look every day. I have thousands of students, part of the course, how to get started one rental at a time. They just did 17 deals last week. Good and great deals are being done right now by people doing the work and not believing these purveyors of negativity. It's, it's just bad. So number three, Wall Street. Wall Street is ready. They have deep pockets and they will pounce on any discount. Something that happened after the last crisis right down here at the bottom is Wall Street proved that they could add thousands of units and produce an asset that produces income. We will not have the cascading properties hitting the market where mom and pop buyers like myself would try to buy as many as we could cash, which just meant prices had to come down. Wall Street is ready. Wall Street will pounce with a 5, 7, 8% discount. To call for a 40% crash, as some people are calling for, is not to understand that we have demand behind demand behind demand. Wall Street in the single family market is ready to pounce like never, never, never before. People are not appreciating. In 2021, Wall Street is ready. In 2008, 9, and 10, Wall Street did not exist in any meaningful way in single family homes. We have demand behind demand behind demand today. Number four, banks are bending over backwards. In the last crisis, which I invested in and saw people get crushed by, banks were foolish and rude. They would tell homeowners, sorry, I will not talk to you until you're 90 days late. Guess what homeowners did? 
they got 90 days late. That is not happening today. Homeowners are going online and saying, hey, I'm in trouble, this or that. I need a forbearance, and they are getting it. Banks are bending over backwards today. It's night and day difference. Night and day difference. We're not going to have strategic defaults and all of those things, which we will talk about in a minute. Number five. All these guys are just so wrong. Number five. Loan quality and equity. Loan quality today is nearly night and day difference. I experienced the last crisis. I saw people with two and 28s and teaser loans and neg am and liar loans and all of this just horrible stuff that just built up into this pile of yuck. And it had to unwind. And when it unwound and Wall Street wasn't there, it just crashed and crashed and crashed. Loan quality today, very restrictive. I would argue that loans are harder to get than they were six months ago. And I'm not saying they were easy six months ago. Loan quality today is great. And then equity. Why do these idiots think we're going to have distressed inventory when we have record equity? If you bought your house last year, even if you put 3% down, you are probably sitting on over 10% equity today. You might be in a position to get rid of PMI very soon. Once you get about 10% equity, you are not a distressed seller. You can wait. You don't have to do mail in your keys or cash for keys or you know, get notice of defaults. You have equity. Sell it, walk away with some money. Loan quality and equity today is nowhere close to loan quality and equity. Everybody was using their houses as ATMs. There was no equity left last time. Number six, because loan quality is good today, because people are getting 30-year loans with a two on it, yes, owner-occupied are getting 30-year money at 2.8, 2.9, Those loans have value. As pe if people are in trouble, they have no equity, skinny equity. They get behind. They can sell their property subject to creative financing. That loan they have has value. Loan products in the last crisis were toxic. Those loans had no value. In fact, they were negative value. Going from 0.9 to 9.9% after two years, horrible. There's no value last time. There is value today. Who would not want to take over payments on a 2.99% 30-year mortgage? Number seven, strategic default versus avoidable foreclosure. The last crisis it became a thing in neighborhoods where neighbors would strategically default. They're like, we're upside down. We're up 50, we're down 50 grand. My payment's this, my payment's that. I'm just not going to pay. I'll wait for the notice of the default. I'll get kicked out in a year, year and a half, two, two and a half years. Yes, some people lived in properties for two years not making payments because of strategic defaults. Today, it's all about 
avoidable foreclosures. Banks are bending over backwards. There will be no strategic defaults. Banks will work with you. They'll do seconds at 0%, all of those things. The game has changed. There is no crash. Number eight. Yes, folks, we're at number eight. Number eight. There is actually a generational trend that is meaningful that we should at least acknowledge and appreciate. In 2008, well, actually, let me step back. Do you know the average age of the first-time homebuyer? The average age of a first-time homebuyer is 31, 31, 32. Let's call it 31. In 2007, 8, 9, we had a generational low of 31-year-olds. So we weren't filling up first-time buyers as we normally do. What do we have today? We have the largest population of 31-year-olds ever. Let that sink in. Largest population of 31-year-olds ever. We have first-time buyers coming. Record numbers. And oh, by the way, the trend continues for the next couple of years. Next year, there'll be more 31-year-olds. The year after that, more 31-year-olds. We have a first-time home buyer pool that is rocking and rolling. Number nine. Yes, folks, these idiots have 10 reasons they are wrong. Number nine is space is good. What has this crisis taught us? Space is good. If you have the financial means to be in a class A vertical apartment or condo, you are not very happy. Elevators, neighbors, suck. We're going to go to the work from home and we're going to need an extra bedroom and a garage and a backyard that's fenced for our dogs and our kids. We have brand new reasons to want a home. It's not about condos, not about vertical townhomes. This is homes, single family homes. There are reasons why people want a home like never before. Space is good. This has been going on 14 or 15 months. This is a trend that will not stop. Space is good. And number 10, why there will be no crash. Demand, demand, demand. Let me explain. What we have seen the last year is homeowner demand. What has been kicked out or frozen out of last year? Investors like me. We have to do deals that make sense. We have to do good or great deals. And it was very hard to do that last year. If we get more inventory, quality differences, day on market expand, we can finally do deals. And then behind us is Wall Street. Wall Street will buy entire books. They'll buy entire blocks. They will buy entire housing communities from builders if they want to. So folks, there are 10 reasons why all of these silly, uninformed, fear-mongering, negative videos are wrong. Most importantly, price. Some don't understand affordability. They forget about Wall Street. Banks are bending over backwards. Loan quality and lo equity, creative financing, strategic default versus avoidable foreclosure, generational growth in 31-year-olds, space is good, demand, 
demand, demand. I'm sorry, if you listened to these idiots last year, you lost out on 10 or 15% appreciation. I am not calling for 10% appreciation this year. It's more like seven or eight. If you think it's a crash to go from 15% to seven, I don't know what to tell you. I guess you can call that a 50% collapse. Last time I checked, 7% is still pretty good. So in the end, I'm tired of watching these crash videos. I hope you are too. They're all wrong. They're all going for ads. It's just it's just wrong. People are people are really uh they're making business decisions on pretty wrong information. So at the end of the day, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Take care of yourself. Today's a great day to make some money. Let's be better than yesterday. Bye-bye.